Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to remind you, peace of mind is tough to come by these days, unless you have a Liberty Safe. With a Liberty Safe, you won't worry when you leave the house, because you'll know your valuables are protected. And right now, you can get free delivery to your home on any Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com for factory direct pricing. LibertySafe.com, made in the USA, lifetime warranty, and peace of mind. LibertySafe.com. Nobel Prize-winning economist Milton Friedman was a staunch and brilliant defender of capitalism. He understood that without America and the free market system, the world would be languishing still in the dark ages. He very often took on socialists and their distortions of history and reality, as in this forum at the University of Chicago with Michael Harrington of the Democratic Socialist Organizing Committee. To view freedom positively, I think people over 65 years of age in the United States today are freer now because of Medicare. I do not think that the freedom to die from the lack of medicine was a very good thing. Secondly, related to industrialists, uh, I uh, think that one one of the startling things about American history is that when Franklin Roosevelt was saving the system from itself, the main beneficiaries were screaming bloody murder at him for being a traitor to his class when he was in fact the salvation of that class. And I think if you, therefore, if you look at our history, I do think you find a tremendous myopia on the part of industrialists, and you find that the positive increments to our freedom, interestingly enough, have not come from the college graduates, but often from uh, people with, uh, not from the best people, it's come from working people, it's come from poor people, it's come from blacks and uh, uh, Hispanics and the like. Milton, would you reply, but then tell us why you took us to Hong Kong to prove something? Sure. Unaccustomed as I am to agreeing with Michael Harrington, (laughs) I will agree in part with what he's just said. I do not believe it's proper to put the situation in terms of industrialist versus government. On the contrary, one of the reasons why I am in favor of less government is because when you have more government, industrialists take it over. And the two together form a coalition against the ordinary worker and the ordinary consumer. I think business is a wonderful institution, provided it has to face competition in the marketplace and it can't get away with something except by producing a better product at a lower cost. And that's why I don't want government to step in and, and help the business community. Now, I want to go to your question about Medicare. There are many people who have benefited from Medicare, but you're not looking at the cost side. What has happened to the people who are paying for it? It isn't, we don't have a free good. It isn't coming from nowhere. And are they benefiting from it in a cost-effective way? Those are the questions. It's, it's demagoguery, if you'll pardon me, Michael, Michael Harrington, to say the people who have Medicare are freer. Of course, in one dimension. But they themselves have been paying all their lives. And have they gotten a good bargain? At the moment, they have. The young men, the young working people who are going into Social Security now, they're going to get a very raw deal indeed. In an age today where everything is about life always being equitable and fair, Milton Freeman boldly argued against fairness. Are you going to trust me to put all of the candidates on my program? Or am no. I just going to put my favorite You candidates? put your favorite on and some other station will put its favorite on? You do not get fairness by every individual program being fair. You do not get fairness by every individual station get fairness. In any event, I'm not in favor of fairness. I'm in favor of freedom. And freedom is not fairness. Fairness means somebody has to decide what's fair. And that means the FCC people have to decide what's fair. I don't want the FCC people to decide for me 
what I should listen to or hear. And you wouldn't be able, if the public at large didn't agree with your choices, you'd be out of business. Yeah, And here, driving home his point about inequality and injustice, and where those are most prevalent. Social injustices are clearly greatest where you have central control. The degree of social injustice and torture in a place like and and incarceration in a place like Russia is of a different order of magnitude than it is in those Western countries where most of us have grown up and in which we have been accustomed to regarding freedom as our natural heritage. Where do you have the greatest degree of inequality? In the socialist states of the world. I remember about 15 years ago, my wife and I were in Russia for a couple of weeks. We were in Moscow. And we were, uh, we were going with our tourist uh, guide and happened to see, I happened to see some of the fancy Russian limousines up there, the Zivs. They were sort of a takeoff on the 1938 American Packers. And I asked our tourist guide out of amusement, how much do those sell for? Oh, she said, those aren't for sale. Those are only for the members of the Politburo. You have in a country like Soviet Union enormous inequality in the immediate literal sense that there is a small select group that has all of the services and amenities of life and very large masses that are on a very, very low standard of living. Indeed, in a more direct way. If you take the wage rate of foremen versus the wage rate of ordinary workers in the Soviet Union, the ratio is much greater than it is in the United States. Don't look at what the proponents of one system or another say are their intentions, but look at what the actual results are. Socialism, which means government ownership and operation of means of production, has appealed to high-minded, fine people, to people of idealistic views because of the supposed objectives of socialism, especially because of the supposed objectives of equality equality and social justice. Now, those are fine objectives, and it's a tribute to the people of good will that those objectives should appeal to them. But you have to ask the question, does the system, no matter what its proponents say, produce those results? And once you look at the results, it's crystal clear that they do not. In 1991, Freeman continued to compare America's system to socialist and communist systems. It's a system which has highly graduated rates, but which is full of special provisions so that people who are otherwise in the same position may pay vastly different taxes. It's a source of inequality and not of equality. In general, our government policies for redistribution via taxes, bring back to mind the wonderful comment a century ago by William Graham Sumner in his essay on the forgotten man. Do you remember his comment about the society in which A and B get together to decide what C shall do for D? That's what happens here. A and B get together and decide what C, the taxpayer, The forgotten man in Sumner's account shall do for D, the recipient. Except, you know, somehow a little bit of that money seems to slip off on A and B on the way. Most government measures that have been enacted in the name of equality, in fact, end up benefiting people like you and me in the middle and upper income classes. We are the A's and B's. 
who try to impose on the C's burdens to help the D's. But we get our share in the way. According to Milton Freeman, the motives of those involved in oppressive nations may even be good, but it doesn't matter. You must not question people's motives. Maybe they're evil sometimes, but look at the results of what they do. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Assume their motives are good. You know, there's an old saying about the road to hell being paved with good intentions. You have to look at the outcome. And whenever you use force, the bad moral value of force triumphs over good intentions. The reason is not only that famous aphorism of Lord Acton. You all know it. You've all heard it. Absolute power corrupts. I'm sorry, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's the whole aphorism. That's one reason why trying to do good with methods that involve force lead to bad results. Because the people who set out with good intentions are themselves corrupted. And I may add, if they're not corrupted, they're replaced by people with bad intentions who are more efficient at getting control of the use of force. But also, the fundamental reason is more profound. The most harm of all is done when power is in the hands of people who are absolutely persuaded of the purity of their instincts of their, and of the purity of their intentions. Thoreau said that philanthropy is a much overrated virtue. Sincerity is also a much overrated virtue. Heaven preserve us from the sincere reformer who knows what's good for you and by, by heaven is going to make you do it whether you like it or not. That's when you get the greatest harm done. I have no reason to doubt that Lenin was a man whose intentions were good. Maybe they weren't. But he was completely persuaded that he was right and he was willing to use any methods at all for the ultimate good. Again, it's interesting to contrast the experience of Hitler versus Mussolini. Mussolini was much less of a danger to human rights because he was a hypocrite. Because he didn't really believe what he was saying. He was just in there for the game. He started out as a socialist. He turned to a fascist. He was willing to be bribed by whoever would bribe him the most. As a result, there were at least some protections against his arbitrary rule. But Hitler was a sincere fanatic. He believed in what he was doing. And he did far greater harm. Freeman tried to reason with the collectivists who believed in socialism and wanted more of it, including more health care. I say to people who say we have to have government medicine in there, I say, would you mind first telling me which of the other great reforms of government have achieved their objectives? I take it you mean the federal housing program has solved the problem of housing for the low-income groups? I take it you mean that the federal welfare program has solved the problems of welfare and indigence and dependence? That federal urban renewal and housing and, and uh, the reconstruction programs have solved the problem of urban blight? Well, the people, after all, are catching up. So I think it is not entirely hopeless that we can stop this march and turn it back. He hadn't lost hope. Neither should we. In a day when the current president of the United States has said... In the past, there's been a sharp division between left and right, between capitalist and communists or socialists. And especially in the Americas, that's been a big debate, right? Ah, you know, 
you're you're a capitalist Yankee dog, and oh, you know, you're some you know crazy communist, you know, that's gonna take away everybody's property. And I mean, those are in, in, interesting intellectual arguments, but I think for your generation, you should be practical and just choose from what works. You don't have to worry about whether it neatly fits into socialist theory or capitalist theory. You should just decide what works. We have to know the truth. As Friedman so often taught, socialism simply doesn't work. Tomorrow, a master at dealing with progressives. Glenn Beck. By the way, you can see all of these. You can see all of these and listen to all of them at your own leisure and spread them with your friends. Just go to glennbeck.com slash serials and you'll see uh, Milton Freeman and we post all of them. There's four episodes each. Last week was communism. Is next week taxes? Yes. Yeah, next week is all about the history of taxes in America. Milton Freeman and the free market this week. The founder of this company... 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents I trust, it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Real estate agents, I trust.com.